you have your Bible, please open to Hebrews chapter 10, which is where we will be today. It is God's living word. It is living and active. And when it goes forward, it does work. I want us to remember that. We don't just open our Bibles because it's tradition. We do so because it's good. I have to confess to you, I love preaching in this room. I, I love our church building. Uh, these stained glass windows are some of the most beautiful windows I've ever seen. Uh, someone once told me, I don't know if it's true, but these were shipped in from England in the 1950s. So from some kirk over there, some church over there. Uh, God has afforded us a wonderful building to do ministry in. I'm thankful for that, uh, no doubt. But what I want us to remember today, as beautiful as this building is, this building is not the church. Uh, this building will not stand on the last day. These are, these are, are, are perishable items uh, made by the hands of masons. But there is one thing that will stand on that last day, and that is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, who Christ made with his own hands. And so as we continue in our series on the body of Christ, we are going to talk about the members of the body today. Remember last week we talked about the head of the body who is Christ. And through him all things have been made. He is the head over all of creation. And he has as head but only one body. And his body is the church to which we are a part. And it is a blessing for us to be a part of it. As we go through this series, I want to remind us kind of what our main point, our main objective of the series is. We want to consider God's intended purpose for the church and how it is to function. We see this through God's word, by the way. As we desire God's purpose for the church to be our purpose as First Irving. Let me just make it real simple. We want to do what God's word says since God's words deliberately and articulately speaks to what the church is. So I hope you are in Hebrews 10 uh, by this point. Uh, we're starting here because there are some instructions given to the church, and, and they're important instructions for us. Uh, though we weren't the original audience of the letter of the Hebrews, makes us no less the audience today because God's word continues to go forward. It continues to do its work. Now, I, I, if I could, I want to pastor us for just a moment. The, the intention of the sermon today is not to lay a heavy load on you. It's not for you to be discouraged. It, it's not for you to walk away saying, I need to do better. Uh, I, I want us to walk away from today's sermon encouraged by God's plan for his people by his intention for his son's bride. There is design and intentionality that he has given to us that he has allowed us to be a part of. And so the hope today would be for us to be encouraged deeply in our heart by what God's word says so that we can encourage one another to live out and walk out this responsibility, this glorious responsibility of being the body of Christ. If the scriptures only intention was to teach us how we could be saved, the scriptures would be much shorter than they are. But he has given us a full word, giving us counsel to what it is to be the body of Christ, what it is to be a people who are growing in maturity and Christ-likeness the closer we get to the coming of his beloved son. Now, to give some context in the book of Hebrews, since we're just kind of parachuting into this text today, uh, a lot is going on uh, in the book of Hebrews. We don't necessarily know who the author of Hebrews is, and we don't necessarily know uh, who is the recipient of it other than a local church, and we'll get to that here momentarily. What we do know is they were former Judaizers. They were former Jewish people who had at one point received the gospel of Christ, 
And we're being encouraged by the writer to continue steadfast in the faith. Uh, We see in chapter 2 that there had been a tendency to drift away from the faith. We see in chapter 5 that uh, some of the uh, saints' hearts were hardening to the faith. Uh, We see in chapter 10 that persecution was occurring to the church, which was actually causing them not to want to meet together. Because if you bear the name of Christ, then you bear the sufferings of Christ. And so when we think about the book of Hebrews, we want to consider it as a pastor who's writing a letter to a church to stay faithful. And beloved, that is the intention today, is to teach from the scriptures in a way that would encourage us as the body to be faithful and to continue on in this way. Now, I want us to see, uh, if you could, look with me in verse 9. I'm going to, excuse me, verse 19 of chapter 10. I'm going to read verses 19 through 25, but we're going to focus on 24 and 25. And then by the end, we're going to switch over something we haven't done yet to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And then we're going to end and close with some applications, hopefully helpful for us today. Verse 19 of Hebrews chapter 10. Therefore, brothers... Since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, and since we have a great, uh, great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he has promised, for he who has promised is faithful. Now verse 24. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day draw near. This is the word of the Lord. I want us to notice in verses 19 through 23, just some gospel applications for us before we get into some imperatives for us today. We see that this fellowship, this entrance into the holy place is only done by the blood of Jesus. There is no entrance into the holy place, into the church, unless Christ is the king of that individual's life. We are only made clean by the blood of Jesus. We see this, that he himself opened the curtain for us through his own flesh. So, beloved, we should never forget we are a part of this body because his flesh was opened for us. That's the entrance into the church. You didn't do enough good works, enough good deeds. You did nothing to get into the body except by faith, in the grace of Christ, recognize that Christ is the one who allowed us to enter. And he, verse 21, is the head, or he's over this house of God. So he's talking about a people. He's talking about a gathering. Now, the main sermon point for us today is simply this. We want to come together with intentionality, as the Bible describes here, and to encourage one another towards spiritual growth as we fulfill our roles as members of Christ's body. Now, where do we get that? Well, let's look with me in verse 24 and 25. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So that first little point comes from verse 24, that first point for us today. Actively consider one another. Look with me at that active encouragement that the writer of Hebrews gives. He said, let us consider. So we want to actively consider as the text says. Now to consider here is not to be done in a passive way. It's not a suggestion. It's a deep encouragement to consider. It's a thorough investigation. It means to look attentively at something. When we consider something, it's not just a brief moment of consideration. The way it's being used here in the text 
is to suggest a thorough head-to-toe investigation of something. Well, what is that something? Well, he has an object right here in verse 24. Let us consider one another, you see. You see there in the text. We are to think attentively about one another when we come together. What a radically different concept than what is internal within us. What is internal within us is self-centeredness. What is surrounding us is self-absorption within our culture. And here the active imperative of the scripture is telling us to consider one another. And then to consider one another in which way? Well, we're to consider how to stir one another up. We are to consider how to spur on, to sharpen, to provoke. That's what stir up means. And we're able to do this because Christ has actually given us a new mind. Remember what Romans 6 says, that you have been crucified with Christ. Our old self was crucified with Christ. We are no longer enslaved to sin. But we have been made alive with Christ through his resurrection. So we actually have a new mind, a new heart. And if you remember last week, we were sealed in the spirit. So we actually have the capacity, beloved, to consider one another. We actually have the capacity not to just focus on the self as is our human nature. So when we hear an imperative like that, we want to remember that God has made this possible. He's made this an actuality for us. But what are we supposed to stir one another up to do? How are we to consider one another? Well, we're supposed to consider one another by stirring one another up to love and to good works. To love and to good works. You know the the meaning of the word love here. It's agape. It's that sacrificial love. It's that type of love that is demonstrated perfectly at the cross that has other people in mind, that's not considering the self. It's demonstrated most beautifully, most powerfully at the cross. And Jesus gives us a a hint in John 13 that he's washing the disciples' feet. He's like, love has no no greater friend than this than one who lays lays down his life for a friend. And he's going to teach us what love is at the cross. So think about that. Think about how that passage breaks down. We are to consider one another and how to stir one another up to love, to that sacrificial love that we've seen demonstrated perfectly in Christ Jesus. It is the highest form of love that we're talking about. It is that love that persists and perseveres no matter what is reciprocated. It's the type of love that no matter what will do the right thing at the right time. My question for you is, do you model this? If the imperative is to consider one another and how to stir one another up, do you gather together in the body thinking, how am I going to spur on my brother and sister in how to sacrificial, in in sacrificial love? How to lay down their life If we're honest, so often we're so considerate of our own spiritual learning, our own spiritual feeding, that oftentimes we don't ever think about the bread that we're not just receiving, but the bread that we ought to be giving. And this is what we're called to do as the body of Christ, as the text says. And then it says we're to spur one another on to good works. These good works here, or the type of good works that we talked about in Colossians 3. You know, those works of compassion and humility, those works of meekness and patience and sacrifice. So we're to come together to spur one another on to love and to good works. That's such an interesting thing. Everything in our culture tells us otherwise. The sporting events we go to, the movies that we go to. We go for ourselves, for our own entertainment. But this is quite different what the text is telling us. The text is telling us that you actually come, yes, you will be fed by the word, but the reason that you come is to have your brother and your sister in mind, 
It's just radically different, is it not? Than the way that we naturally work, than the things that we naturally prefer. So consider that, if we may. I, I have no problems talking about my own weakness and my own sin. You'll see that, Lord willing, throughout the years. But one of the things I really struggled with as I, when I was growing up was the fear of man. And so I would come to, I, was, I would gather in the body and I, I, would, I would do the parts in the, in the church that I was supposed to do. I'd put on a, on a face and I would act as if everything was okay. And the idea of getting in someone's life in such a way as to encourage them to love and good works was not even on my radar. It wasn't even something I ever considered. I went to church because I was supposed to. I went to church because I felt like it was helpful for me to hear a good word for the, from the preacher. I went to church for all of these reasons, but for this, I, I didn't go until an older saint told me, when you gather, I want you to speak life into me. I want you to remind me of the gospel and what it is that I've been called to in Christ. And it changed my world. Pointed me to this text right here showed me what it said, and it changed my motivation as to why I gathered. How often in the small groups that you attend, in the Bible studies that you're a part of, do you go with the spiritual flourishing of a brother and sister in mind? Because here's the beautiful thing. If you begin to do that, and you begin to encourage and they begin to do the very same, we begin to feed one another on the living word of God. And that's what happens in the church. That's the way God designed it. That's this knitting, this growing together. This is what it looks like. But the writer's not done. Look with me in verse 25. He gives us how we are to consider stirring one another up. Verse 25, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So he gives two participles, two action points for that imperative, let us consider one another. Uh, the first one is a negative. He says, by not neglecting to meet together. That's the first way that you can stir one another on to love and good works. Verse 25 says, by not neglecting to meet together. If we could do it just in the positive sense, gather together. When you gather together, this is how this happens. We are Christ's body, and he is our head, and we are to assemble together. It is a statement of faith every time we come together and sit under the word. We are making a statement. We are saying we hold fast to this gospel. We hold fast to the confession of our faith. This is so important for us in our time today. I think weekly attendance nationally, I think when I was a little kid, it was like 75%. Everybody would attend the church three out of four Sundays a year. I think today it's like between one and two if you're a faithful church member. We are called to gather together. Now, there are many reasons people don't gather together. And I want to be very gracious and reminding of us all, there are legitimate reasons people are unable to gather together. There are health issues that occur in people's lives, and that's when the body goes to them, right? Uh, there are certain things in life that prohibit, like travel or uh, emergency vacation or whatever it would be. But what he's talking about here is that habit of not meeting together, neglecting to meet together. That's what he says. Some have made a habit of not meeting together. There are many reasons that people have decided not to meet together. There are, there are reasons even within our body that people have decided not to meet together. Oftentimes it's because of church hurt. Oftentimes it's because it's not certain things that people like about what's going on in the church. Uh, there, there, are certain, there are certain reasons that people don't neglect to meet together. I want us to remember that this church was in persecution. That this church was suffering in ways that more than likely none of us in this room have ever suffered. 
And the pastor who's writing the letter is telling them, do not neglect to meet together. There is something important that occurs when we come together under the preached word. There's something that occurs inside of our lives when we get together. The second way uh, is to encourage. Now, here's the truth about this. It is quite possible for those of you who do come and so thankful for the committed members we have it for serving. I mean, it's such a blessing to look out and see the faces of the saints who are, are, are gathering together under the preached word. Uh, it, it, but I do want us to see what the text says here. It is possible to come together uh, to, to be faithful in gathering, to be a member of the church and actually not participate in the second participle here, which is to encourage, right? Look with me. But we're to encourage one another and all the more as the day draws near. Uh, we are to gather with intentionality, pointing one another to Christ, spurring one another on to love and good works. Yes, it's fun to talk about certain things. Yes, there are certain things that we're going to joke about. Uh, we're a family. There's conversations of all different types in families. But they're always, it always ought to be centered on the conversation. It always ought to be an encouragement for each of us to consider, how do we stir one another on to love and good works by reminding each other of the gospel? I, just, if you're taking notes today, when's the last time you encouraged a brother and sister to love and good works, reminded them of the gospel in their own life? Not just said, hey, sorry that you're going through suffering, but reminded them of truth in the middle of their suffering. It's quite different. It's quite more intentional. This is, this is the problem of online church. And I, I, I'm not here to, to drop bombs on anyone. But I, I do want us to, to not forget what the scripture is saying. If, if we're called to get together and encourage one another, to exhort one another, if we're just watching on a screen, there is none of that. There is no proximity. There is no blessing that we're able to put on the brother and sister to our right or to our left. And so we want to be mindful of these things. We want to gather together. That's proximity. But we also want to be intentional. I remember when my wife and I first got married, we were, you know, still learning each other. And I was a huge movie guy before we got married. We used to watch movies all the time because I just love to be entertained, right? And... Uh, I was introducing my wife to the, to the classics uh, when we got married, right? Like Rocky One, <laughs> Rocky Three, <laughs> Rocky Five. But just getting together and, and loving to do what, we, what I thought we both would love to do, right? And I learned in a two, two and a half hour movie that we can be in the same room and not know each other any better. It's amazing to me what 10 minutes or 15 minutes at the kitchen table of asking questions, encouraging one another in the faith can do that just being in proximity cannot accomplish. So we gather together and we do so with that intentionality, that encouragement as the scripture tells us here. So, a couple of questions just for us to think about before we move along to 1 Corinthians 12. Are you here? Are, are, are you gathered here? Are you committed to be a part of the body of Christ? Because there doesn't seem to be anything in Scripture that su su suggests we shouldn't be. We're called to be. And this is the beautiful thing. We, we gather under that blood that allowed us to enter into the house of God in the first place, Christ. This is what we gather under. This is why we gather. Are you here? Are you, are you committed to his church, to his body? Are you intentional when you gather? Is, it, is this a new concept for you? And that's okay if it is. We're all in progress here. We're all in, uh, in process. 
sometimes we, we don't know how to think outside of ourselves. And we need to be spurred on to do that. Well, this is our encouragement to you today, to come ready to encourage the brothers and sisters, right? We talked about a few weeks ago in Colossians chapter 3 that we sing to God, but we sing for our brother and sister because in that singing, there's teaching and admonishment. There's intentionality in it. All we are to do is to be intentional. Uh, here's a last question that I would have you ponder. Who do you need to be intentional with? Who, who in your circles here, known as First Irving, do you need to be intentional with? Encouraging certain brothers and sisters in struggles that they're having. Uh, encouraging and reminding and praying for intentionally the saints that are amongst us. It might be good to write a few names down and begin by praying and asking God that, would, that he would give you opportunity to speak into a brother and sister's life. To, to be here, to gather, to sit under God's word. Uh, if you don't gather, um, my question to you would be, what, what's replacing the gathering in your life? It, it, like I said, there's legitimate reasons in certain seasons, but there's also very many and more illegitimate reasons not to gather. This is just my gentle, soft admonishment. Please come and sit under God's word and be a part of the body of Christ, his people. So we come together to consider one another. And we consider one another on how to stir one another up to love and good works. And how do we do that? By gathering together and by encouraging one another. That's what the text says right here. This is what that church needed, and this is what every church has ever needed ever since, including this one. If you have your Bibles, I hope you do, I hope you do please uh, move over with me to 1 Corinthians 12. We're not going to give a full exegesis of this. So you don't have to sweat. We'll get out on time for lunch. But I do want to point out a few observations because these passages are linked together in a sense. One, they're the living word of God and God's word is all linked together. But it reminds us of who we actually are. It speaks at another angle as to what the body of Christ is. And so that is what I want us to remember. When we, by grace, through faith, receive Christ Jesus the Lord, we actually had a position change. Not, not only were we unrighteous now moved to righteous because of Christ, but we were, not only were we transformed uh, from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son, but he now calls us members of his son's body. Let that, let that sit on you. He calls us members of his son's body. We know the importance of the members of our own bodies. So, so help the metaphor that Paul is using to Encourage your own deep thinking about what it is to consider the importance of the members of your own body. This is how he describes us. So in 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 27, we just want to reorient us to who we are in Christ. To who we are as his people. Who we are as his church. Who we are as church members. Because how he defines us as members, is how we ought to define ourselves. If he says one thing and we say something different, uh, all of a sudden we're on slippery ground, right? So if he says something, we want to make sure that we bring it forward as well. Now, for some context, they're fighting in Corinth and they're kind of bickering. They're not united as the body of Christ. And the primary reason for disagreement is some people are jealous that some people have gifts that other people don't have. Everybody is wanting to speak in tongues. Everybody is wanting to prophesy. Everybody is wanting leadership uh, capacity. And Paul is reminding them that every member, verse 7, through the manifestation of the Holy Spirit has been given gifts. 
Every member, every person has a reason why they are in the body of Christ. So, he doesn't want them fractured. He wants them united. That's the same for us today, right? Verse 12, and I'm just going to read verses 12 through uh, 20, and then just make a few observations, kind of pushing this home, and then uh, a few more observations, and then we'll go to application. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. So he's talking about how Christ, this is Christ's body. So Christ is the head, and we're the body. And though there's many members, we are one body with Christ. The head is not separate from the body, right? Verse 13, for in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. So that's how we were brought into the body. We're going to talk about baptism in a few weeks. Uh, And he tells who is in this body. Well, look at all the diversity, Jews, Greeks, slaves, free, and all were made to drink from one spirit. So there is a lot of people in one spirit, in one baptism, through one Christ who make up one body, okay? Verse 14, for the body does not consist of one member, but many. 15, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that we would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that we would not make it any less a part of the body? Verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, verse 18, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. I'm just going to bring out a few simple observations for us as we're thinking about the importance of gathering together, spurring one another on to love and good works, all of these things tucked inside of that Hebrews 10 passage, just a few observations. There are many different types of members. Here, Jews, Greeks, slaves, free, but all baptized in one spirit, Baptized in one baptism, baptized in one Christ. So, so think about our own con- congregation for a moment. This is, some of us were born around the time of World War II. Uh, some of us have been born in this last month who are part of our body. And everything in between. Some of us come from Latin America. Some of us come from Africa. Some of us come from India. Different people, yet under one Christ, through one spirit, in one baptism. And that's the body of Christ. Now, there's different members of the body. That means different functions that each of us have. Not everybody is an eye. Not everybody is an ear. But God has given us different gifts, different things to be a part of, which means everything and every person and every gift that is given. We, we're not going to talk about the gifts of the Spirit. That's for another time. But we are just talking about membership. But every gift that is given to you who are in Christ is important. I don't think we often think about that. Sometimes we underestimate what it is that God has provided our own gifting for the body. But that should not be the case. Because why? Verses 18 and 19. God has arranged you. He chose you. He established you. And this is where we get this conversation about membership in the local church. We're using membership as a language because the scriptures talk about members of the body. Now, I'm not talking about a Costco membership. Don't get me wrong. I love the $1.50 hot dogs. They are phenomenal. And I love to go and I love to stack up on shopping. It's actually my wife's favorite thing. Um, It's really odd. But the only thing that we ever give back to Costco is money, right? That's not the point of the church. The point of the church is to give back to the members of the body so that everybody is functioning in the way that they ought to be. 
the way that they should be. We're talking about membership here. In fact, if I, if I could say, membership might be too simple of a word, too light of a word. We're talking about God who has made a people for himself. Membership in a local church is the most glorious thing that you can be a part of in this world. It's like being a part of an embassy, an outpost of heaven, to come and be a part of the body of Christ. You are citizens of another kingdom. Not the kingdom of Texas, not the kingdom of the United States, the kingdom of heaven. And Christ has formed and fashioned you to be so. Now, if this is not the case, if we consider uh, ourselves unworthy of a position or, 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 or in the body and don't really think about the importance of us being in the body at all, I, I want us to remember what an ear is apart from a head. Do you remember when Jesus was being arrested and Peter rises up with a sword and he slices off the ear of uh, the servant of the priest? The ear is laying there on the ground. It's not any less an ear, but it's not functioning the way that it should or the way that it was intended to until Christ picks up the ear and he places it back on the head of the servant and he heals him. There is power in the body being together. So that's why these members of the body coming together, we're knit together. Remember this, Colossians 2, we're knit together by ligaments in the body of Christ. Now see with me in verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. <laughs> Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Verse 23, and those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body. That's so huge, verse 25, that there would be no division in the body but that, our, that the members maybe have some care for one another. Verse 26, if one member suffers, all suffer. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Verse 27, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. It's pretty explicit what 1 Corinthians 12 says about the importance of the body of Christ. What was going on is some members were saying, well, if you only do that, or if that's only your gifting over here, then that's not that big of a deal. And then they were saying, well, I want a greater gift so that I'm considered more important in the body. And what, what, the, uh, what Paul says here in 1 Corinthians is actually remarkable. He says that every member, verse 20, 22, is indispensable. Every member of the body ought to see the value of themselves. I, I would encourage you not to underestimate yourself. We need you here every single week. You are contributing to the places that you are serving. You are contributing to the studies that you're a part of. You, you, whether you're praying in private for the sermon or you're greeting a guest in the parking lot. He, he, he says here that it's to be given of greater honor all the service that is modest so that there would be no division amongst us. There is so much unity that he's driving in it. In fact, verse 25, that little gar clause there, that, um, or excuse me, verse, yeah, 25, that there may, would be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. This goes back to that same care that we're talking about in Hebrews 10. This is designed by God, beloved, for our good to be a part of the church. There's people that, that sometimes wonder, what, what, what is the point of membership? What is the point of being in a church? Can I just kind of come in and out as I want to? I don't think that was the intended purpose that God has laid forward in his word. And if we, it's one thing to say that we're going to be a biblical church. It's quite another to practice it. It's quite another to live it out. It's quite another to spur one another on to love and good works. 
So, so let me give some applications for us today as we, as we think about these things. Foremost, I, I do want us to just think through, even before I have four applications for us. But if, if the unity of the body is the goal, ultimately the glory of Christ is the goal and our waiting for him. But if the practice that we are to do is to, to love one another, care for one another, spur one another on to love and good works, if that is what we're intended to do, then, then in the body we should always be building each other up and not edifying, or, and always edifying and never tearing down, and never sowing seeds of discord. When we speak against one another, we are speaking against members of the body of Christ. Just a gentle reminder that we use our mouths to build up, like James 3 says, uh, to, to speak truth in life. I promise you, when we tear one another down, when we assume things about each other that are not true, we are tearing down the body of Christ. We are cutting limbs off. We are slicing into skin. And that is not the intended purpose. We are to build one another up to love and good works. Here's just four applications for us to close on in my final five minutes. One, we want to submit to Christ's authority. One, we want to submit to Christ's authority. Remember, he is the head of the body whom has all authority. He has all authority. And so to enter the church is to know Jesus. To enter the church is to enter through his flesh, Hebrews 10. So by receiving Christ Jesus by faith, by recognizing that we ourselves cannot make up our own sacrifices like the Judaizers in Hebrews 10 were practicing. They were going back to the works of the law, misapplying them. No, we are to submit to the authority of Christ who allowed us to be a part of this body. Do you remember in Matthew chapter six, uh, 16, excuse me, Jesus asked the disciples, he says, who do people say that I am? And they're just like shouting out. This, people say that you are uh, a prophet. They say that you're John the Baptist. They say that you're Elijah. And Jesus very pointedly asks, who do you say that I am, Simon Peter? And he says, you are the Christ the son of the living God. And Jesus says, by this confession, I'm gonna build my church. So the church begins by submitting to Christ as Messiah, by submitting to Christ as king, by confessing that you yourself are not the king and there is no other. So we wanna submit to Christ. And not only do we wanna submit to Christ in our salvation, but we also wanna to submit to Christ in his design for sanctification. And what is his design for sanctification? It's the church. So we wanna look at the scripture. We wanna consider his design. We wanna recognize that he wants us to participate in his church for our spiritual good. It's for our spiritual good that we can come together. This is his design. This is what it looks like to apply the authority of Christ in our own lives. This is the purpose of the church. The purpose of the body is to submit to Christ. And his purpose for the church is to, to follow leadership. In the context of Hebrews 10, it is in the local church. This same congregation is encouraged to promote the leadership that is overseeing it, to love the leadership. And, and, and it's important because the leadership has a huge responsibility that I, I promise you, I feel the weight of every day. We're gonna give an account of the souls, of the faces that are looking at me right now. We're gonna stand before Christ and we're gonna ask how we pastored you, how we spurred you on to love and good works, how you loved your wife, how you, how you followed your husband, so let's submit to the design that God has had, that God made in his word. This is a part of the responsibility of the church, to be a local assembly. Guys, there's not really an example in the scripture of one individual Christian just doing his own thing in the scriptures after the resurrection of Christ. The plan was the church, and we see it develop throughout the book of Acts. 
it's just a glob of 3,000 people until they have deacons in Acts 6, which we're going to be preaching on next week. And then there's pastors that are established and churches are planted and order is brought. There is a progression after the resurrection of Christ of what the church looks like. So come, let's assemble. Let's submit to Christ as king and then let's submit to the design he has to gather together. Remember, this is more than a Sunday commitment. This is more than a Sunday commitment. This is your new designation as a member of Christ's body is to be here. So we're the church when we gather and we're also the church when we scatter. We're always the church. We're to be praying for one another, texting each other, encouraging one another with scriptures. We're always to be the church, not just getting together and talking about things that don't matter. Uh, We have all been guilty of getting together and talking about things that have no eternal value, but we are to be intentional when we do this. This isn't just a Sunday thing. This is throughout our entire life as members of Christ's body. Uh, In this, this Sunday commitment idea, I want to warn us not to be isolated, uh, not to be um, alone. Uh, Proverbs 18 says, one who isolates himself seeks his own desire. So when we come together, there's intentional, meaningful, helpful, spiritual purpose behind that. This is more than just a Sunday commitment. This is where we get to practice the one another's, John 13. This is where we get to carry one another's burdens, Galatians 6. This is where we get to exercise the gifts that God has given us, 1 Peter 4. It's not just a Sunday thing, but it's always when you're a part of the body of Christ. Number three, embrace being a unique member of Christ's body. Embrace being a unique member of Christ's body. Um, I actually had a list of volunteers I was going to read off today. We don't have time for it. But there are so many gifts that are being exercised amongst the body. And I want to encourage you to continue to do that. No matter if it's never noticed, our God notices it. Uh, If it's never um, acknowledged, our God is going to acknowledge it on the last day. He plants even the trees in the forest that we've never seen. He cares about these things intimately and intentionally. Um, I, I want us to remember that there's a purpose of your unique membership in the body of Christ. And that is to fight for unity. And this is tucked under that third one. We want to fight for unity. We want to build one another up. Uh, maybe you used to serve and exercise your gifts. Maybe you used to be really involved and it's been a while since you've done anything or maybe the thing you used to do has gone away. I just want to encourage you that there's other things to do. I'm looking at the Baileys right now. I'm just thinking about how they would love to lead in different ways, but they're serving and exercising their gifts right now in the preschool by singing worship songs with our little threes and four-year-olds. You probably didn't know that. It's incredible. They're just recognizing needs and filling in the great post that God has placed them in. There's so many untold stories like that as well. And I should have even started one list because I don't have to get through 300. But we want to fight for unity. We want to fill the gaps. We want to do the work that God's called us to. Number four, and this is probably the trickiest one. We want to faithfully steward the members of Christ's body. We want to faithfully steward the members of Christ's body. As I said, we're going to give an account. And as I said, uh, the members of Christ's body are those who have confessed Christ, who have repented of their sin, recognize there is no other king to submit to. Uh, Maybe you've gone through a membership class here. Maybe you don't even know why we have a membership class here. We just want you to know that that's kind of the gate for us to learn who people are. Is there a confession that Christ Jesus alone is Lord. He is the Messiah. Is there a healthy understanding of sin? Uh, We want to hear what God has done in an individual's life. We are keeping track of the body. We've even started a new membership directory. How's that for 1975? Just thinking through who is here, how we can care for each of you. 
It's meant not to push people out. It's meant to welcome people in, but to know who these people are. Uh, It's an opportunity for us to disciple people, uh, to to preach the gospel if they're not a Christian, to minister. It's an evangelistic tool as well. We want to steward people as they enter into the body. And we also want to grow, and hear me, we want to grow in how we steward this body. Every tongue, every heart, every mind, every person. And we have areas to grow in this, hear me. But we're called to be the body of Christ. We're called to be the body to him, the head. And he's coming again, beloved. And we're gonna raise from the dirt Get this in your head. You want to be a part of a miracle? You're going to raise out of the ground and you're going to meet him in the sky. And you're going to be united with him because of the faith that he himself has given to us. That is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ to which you, by his grace, are a part of. Let's celebrate that. It's a, it's a blessing. It's a blessing. I'm always helped and reminded by the analogy that David Platt gave about the church, actually. About, there's a difference how in one battleship that used to be a former battleship uh, has now been turned into a cruise ship. But he's bringing out the distinction. There is a much different face on one who is a warrior going into battle versus one who is going into a, a cruise. The cruise is leisurely. The cruise is simple. The battleship is intentional. It's united. If anyone doesn't do their part, the whole cruise ship suffers. In a sense, the body is the same way. And we want to think about that today. So he's gathered us. We were a people who were scattered. And then he gathered us through Christ. And he's formed and he's fashioning us in his body to be members of his church as we're growing in our understanding of what it is to be the church. And guys, this church has a long way to go to practice this. I recognize this. But let's, let's do this together. Would the spirit of God work amongst us, knitting us, spurring us, allowing us to love one another the same way that Christ has loved us thinking of each other first and not ourselves. Please pray with me. Father, we are thankful for your grand design. Uh, Father, our pencils aren't sharp enough to, gr- to draw up a, a, a design like this. They're just not. But you're the great architect who from before time began, formed a people for your son. And it is your joyous glory to unite head and body. God, would we stir one another up to love and good works? Would we take seriously that our membership is indispensable? We are so needed, each and every single one of us, to accomplish the purposes that you have laid out things like the Great Commission, things like preaching, things like service and fellowship. God, help us to understand this. And would you knit us together so tightly through that strand who is Christ, in whose name we pray, amen.